Welcome to today's CIT Tech for Business podcast. Today we are sitting down with Kyle, Todd, Nate, and Matthew, and we're going to be discussing Happy Holidays, the FUD edition. So I'm going to kick it off, um, but one of the questions I want to pose to the group is, what's your favorite holiday since we're talking about holidays? Um, I will start. I am Tara, part of our marketing team, and my favorite holiday is Christmas. Kelsey, what about you? Thanks, Tara. I'm Kelsey. I'm another member of the marketing team, and I totally agree with you. Christmas all the way. Anytime that I could put twinkly lights all over everything, it's my favorite. What about you, Kyle? Yeah, I'm Kyle, President and CEO. I would uh I'm gonna concur. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Christmas. I think July 4th is a close second for me. You know, that fun time, but it's you know, just get together with the family. I like the like the family time and uh, atmosphere is is great. So very much so. Todd, Todd, what about you? Um, I would say Christmas as well. Biggest reasons are family, friends. Um, we're we're big into cooking and and whatnot, so it's a great opportunity to flex the cooking muscles as well. How about you, Nate? I'll probably also do Christmas. I just love winter, <laughs> so you know, not to ride that bandwagon, but yeah, love all things winter. How about Matthew? Um, well, I don't know. Uh, yeah, Christmas. Let's do Christmas. It's uh, <laughs> it's the same everywhere I go. That's the, the nice thing about it. I can't accidentally forget it like I do, uh, you know, Father's Day and uh, then get messages from my parents wondering why I didn't text my father. Um, you know, things like that. Uh, Christmas, I, I can't forget that one. You should have just pulled out some obscure Australian holiday that no one knows. Gonna, so <laughs> I was going to. It's Wallaby Day. Uh, as we all know, Wallaby Day is the the second September, uh, the second day of September. Um, <laughs> that, that, that was on my list too. You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> I love September. I'm currently googling it. So, <laughs> all right, all right. I'm going to take the reins back. We're going to get on track here. Um, so today, as I mentioned, it's the holidays edition for FUD. So I'm going to start out with. Let's define FUD. What is that? And then we'll get into the meat um, of this podcast. So who wants to take over the definition? Uh, it's fun, unending. No, I'm just kidding. It's uh, <laughs> so it's a it's a wonderful term that tends to come up often in the cybersecurity world. It's fear, uncertainty and doubt. Um, it comes up an awful lot. Um, the reality of this particular one is we kind of wanted to, to generate the awareness of what's going on when it comes to the holiday season. So this particular edition is going to be a little bit more on the awareness. And unfortunately, the awareness part, when you start to pull back the veil a little bit, tends to be a little scary in some instances. Um, so I'll kind of set the table real briefly with some really, really high level statistics just to give you an idea of what's going on in the world. Um, but as we hit holiday season, and actually our holidays, even though we focused heavily on Christmas at the beginning of the podcast, it can be a lot of other uh, areas throughout the year. So uh, just to give you a really high-level overview of what's going on, 70% average increase of attempted attacks that happen over the months of November and December um, compared to January and February. We can send some links that kind of show you what that looks like. We also see about a 30% increase in ransomware attacks, very, very specific to what's going on. Um, as I mentioned, it's not just 
Christmas and, and Thanksgiving, although those are very important. And that's the big reason here is, again, awareness. But just to kind of give you some examples of the colonial pipeline that happened over Mother's Day, uh, the JBS food processing that happened over Memorial Day. And of course, everybody remembers the Kaseya attack that was over the 4th of July. So the question that I'll kind of turn over to the group here is why do we see this big increase in attacks over the holiday seasons or even weekends for that matter? I can uh, chime in a little bit. So uh, we, CIT does a lot of incident response uh, for customers as well. And uh, I'll just quick put a note of is our security, our security is basically all, especially over the holiday seasons, because there's a joke that says, you know, it's not ransomware or incident response unless it's Friday at 4 p.m. or going into a holiday weekend, right? It's just the nature of what happens, unfortunately. Uh, Kyle's laughing because he knows uh, that we spend a lot of weekends working. But um, with that, the reason why you tend to see things is if a threat actor is getting into some type of network, it's a lot of great time to go, you know, either search for backups that they want to potentially delete, start installing software that'll execute at some later date, right? The the vigilance of the defenders is down over the weekends and holidays. A lot of time that you can just sit there without uh, much monitoring. Um, and then also, I would probably also add on to that saying people or employees are letting their guard down as they're distracted with the holiday seasons. Um, you know, for example, let's say someone's just trying to get one last batch of emails out, you know, as their family's coming over, you whip through your emails, you're clicking on things. Sometimes that's all it takes. Uh, likewise, if someone is uh, maybe, I'm not going to go too deep into that, but, you know, maybe someone's slightly uh, not in the right mind with all the, the meat or something that's uh, coming out during those uh, um, holiday drinks, right? A lot of different things that can let someone's guard down. So, Like Glog? I love Glog. Glog, <laughs> Christmas wine, whatever it is, right? So, um, but yes, the biggest thing is people letting their guard down, which gives a threat actor more time, more opportunities. So. Exactly. I'd say just quickly that that's that's one of the main reasons these things happen in the first place, right? With people get in because you're not maybe paying as much attention as you should. And so the holidays are a great time when that happens across the board. I'm actually going to uh, ride on that because I just remembered the statistic. Most phishing actually happens on mobile devices over lunchtime. That's when most people actually go clicking on emails uh, as they're just flying through it. They're distracted with lunch or eating something. Um, so it's not usually when you're actually sitting down at the computer. So, yeah, and how much do you think is related to the online ordering side too? You're 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 purchasing more. You're getting a lot more of those FedEx and Amazon spoof emails that have malicious payloads and those types of things. You're wondering what your wife just bought. Click on that <laughs> kind of thing. So there's. Uh, I think that always adds to it, but yeah, I had to laugh at your witching hour side of that, that four o'clock on Friday, a borrow from NFL red zone. That is a witching hour. I mean, that is definitely where, where we seem to see the voodoo happen for sure. 
yeah, for whatever it's worth, we're in the the Midwest, so four o'clock is probably five o'clock on the East Coast, which I don't know if that is the correlation, but it's certainly possible that that's the magic hour for us. Um, yeah, I was going to add on to it, so I think you guys nailed it pretty good. There are a lot of people that take a lot of vacation over the end of the year, so Nate kind of mentioned that, as you'll see, that there's a, a downtick in available personnel, um, and but that happens across the board, too. It's not just the fact that it's the security team that's out. There's a lot of other people that are out, too, so they may be thinking about their trip to wherever Niagara Falls in, in November. Um, or it could be, like you said, I think the one of the larger ones we typically see is that there is so much stuff that happens over the internet over the course of that, and it's a lot of it is revolving around Christmas, lots of orders, lots of track where your package is, et cetera. And, you know, we, we do the same thing when it comes to fishing simulations or those are things that we focus on at the, that time of year, and it makes sense, right? Because people are naturally going to click on those kinds of things even if it doesn't make sense, right? I didn't order anything from FedEx that's going to the office, click. Um, those are the kinds of things that we typically see a lot of. Uh, I guess I was just gonna make one joke while Tara uh, decides to unmute herself, but uh, the, I was gonna say, Matthew, I don't know if uh, your wife has to try and keep track with all your packages, cause I know you, you're shopping a ton, so. <laughs> yes, um, it's it's a, how do you, Thankfully, guess, we we hide them. Uh, we hide. We have our own separate Amazon accounts, so those emails don't go to each other. <laughs> but I guess that is maybe that uh, is part of that. Maybe if you want a quick uh, mention, just what you're doing to help provide uh, some security for your own self while doing some of this online shopping, and then we can have Tara help us transition. Most definitely. Um. So right off the bat, obviously separate accounts. There is any. Emails I get, I know if they're related to purchases I've made. Obviously, there is a chance someone's, you know, taken something. But a always double check. Go to the website directly. Don't click on links and emails to check stuff. Um, I also uh, my primary email address is a Gmail account, and I use um, the the plus symbol and then the name of the organization to create separate emails when I sign up for things. So in the case of Amazon, it'd be email address plus symbol amazon at gmail.com and that allows me to track directly who the emails from uh, because I've got their name in it and that way it's easier to confirm if it's actually coming to me from them directly or from someone else those are the, the two best ways in my opinion great so Tara just finally I'm speaking to myself in the third person um, unmuted herself to pose the question to the group so Sorry, I had a moment there. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk about is a lot of people think like with the attack, like it happens like right away. So let's talk a little bit about when did those phishing attacks actually start and what are some examples that they look like? I guess I can maybe jump on to that one a little bit. So going back to incident response, right, is Sometimes you don't know when it happened. Uh, so we deal with things like, let's say, I'm not going to not go into ransomware at the moment, but business email compromise. When we are dealing with some type of business email compromise, oftentimes it's, well, what did the user click on? Where did they submit their credentials? And unfortunately, the answer is often, I don't know what I clicked on, right? That's why it happened in the first place. So then we have to go do a you know, needle in the haystack trying to find a potentially malicious email, which guess what? It's full of malicious emails all day. 
Um, and so that's where you're just trying to dig and dig and dig. Sometimes when we're doing these investigations, we'll find that there's a larger organization or enterprise behind the scenes. It's not usually just one hacker that is, you know, click on this one email and I'm instantly going to go log in. Oftentimes what we'll actually see is it's a pretty organized system where you go click on it, you submit your credentials, it goes into some type of database. There's a, you know, an IP or server that's just there to test connections and see if credentials are valid. Then at that point, we'll see that it's valid. Someone else will log in either couple of minutes later, hours later, days later, whenever that attack is going to be mounted there. And then you'll see different IPs just constantly testing or, you know, taking actions to try and obfuscate some of their activities. Um, it's that's the hard part. Um, we also see things with the ransomware where sometimes the initial attack vector will get in and they'll sit on it for two or three days as they're assessing the network. Uh, so it, Speaking of the holidays, CIT last year did a big ransomware recovery and they got in over the weekend and sat in it until Tuesday. And then on Tuesday is when everything kicked off and, you know, files and stuff are encrypted. So the timeline just depends on who's on the other side and what timeline they have. Yeah, so so I'll go ahead, Matthew. No, you go, Todd. All right. <laughs> so I, I kind of took the question a different way, and I apologize if I'm tangenting here. Um, the the thing that I tend to notice, and, and this is partially because I also have an account that's set up for Australia. And so one of the most surprising things for me is the different types of attacks I see on a daily basis based on what email address is getting them. Um, so obviously we'll see a lot of uh, of pickup in Apple and Amazon and then eBay um, attacks or phishing emails coming through as we get closer to you know Black Friday and then Christmas. Um, they too tend to try and aim them towards the season and the holiday and the types of things you'd expect to see come in. If you are purchasing stuff online, you'll see ads from Best Buy if you're me. Um, <laughs> back home, uh, the, my Australian email address receives a lot of emails from our country's post office because they run at a national scale and allow you to sign in and track your packages through the post office itself. So I will, on a daily basis, get two or three emails from them saying this package requires you to un uh, to free it from the hold that we have on it because we can't we can't send it to you. So. There's a mix of being more aware of where you have purchased from, purchased from, as well as why you may be targeted in your region, which I think can sometimes be missed. And and if you aren't expecting it, it, it seems very obvious. But if you, quick example here, um, a lot of HOA things come through, and a lot of homeowners insurance things come through, which I never expected to see before. It's been very eye-opening about what type of scams can be sent in that manner. So I would keep those things in mind of people are trying to be malicious based on circumstances they're aware of that may relate to you. 
Yeah, I think that was an excellent point. I really like the uh, the regional thing. I know the vast majority of the people that listen to our podcast do tend to be in the United States, but that doesn't mean by any stretch of the imagination that that the people that are listening are are located in other locations because they absolutely are. So thank you for that. Um, so expanding on it a little bit, uh, I think typically the stuff you see more often than not, especially around the end of the year, tends to be very focused on the holiday season. And it's very specific. You're starting to see spoofing of Amazon, FedEx, um, PayPal is one that I see a lot for whatever it's worth. I, I, Matthew talked about how he goes about mitigating some of his risk by having multiple emails. This group is probably a little more paranoid than average. Uh, I have burner email accounts as well. I know Nate does too. Um, and so you, I see certain things and you just know that that's not correct. Like I get things like I bought a new Apple laptop and I know I didn't do that. And I know that going to that email address, I've never used it before. So there's no way that's possible. Quickly filter through those kinds of things. But that being said, it, when you're looking at it, especially on a business level and, and our podcast is called technology for business. So I will bring it back to that is it can happen on a much broader scale. So if anybody remembers the WannaCry attack from several years ago um, from the Lazarus group, a lot of their attacking style tended to come in as emails and the vast majority of them tended to be resumes. We'd love to work for your company, come find my CV. And it was usually a link out to another website. Um, so it can happen anytime, any way, any method. It isn't always an, an attachment, although we've seen a big uptick in attachments lately, but links still tends to be the way that most people tend to attack currently. I'm going to quick put a uh, non uh, non-sponsored uh, recommendation here, but the podcast, The Lazarus Heist, uh, is one of the books that I know Todd and myself have both listened to recently. It's talking all about North Korea and their cyber activities and everything. So uh, thanks for mentioning that one, Todd. But yeah, Lazarus Heist, it's a great podcast or, you know, audio book if you want to go listen to it. Great. I did want to um, shift gears just a little bit. Obviously, um, we're talking about, you know, the happy holidays and we've realized everybody loves the Christmas holiday, but, you know, Cybersecurity Awareness Month is still now, it's in October. So I want to talk about what immediate actions can they take? And if so, then talk a little bit about maybe some examples that we've encountered as to why you need to do these things and why they're important to an organization. Well, very first, I'll drop this one and then I'll be quiet and let the rest of the group jump in. But at a minimum, you start with awareness training, right? And by the fact that you're listening to this podcast, you've already begun. So that's where I would start is, is understanding what's happening, how it continues to change and start working on the next steps from there. Yeah. Um, if a vendor is calling you to get access to anything, stop and call them back. Uh, <laughs> If your software is saying that it needs to be updated and they need someone on the system, stop and call them back. Uh, being aware that there are people who are going to actively and maliciously try and get things from you now when maybe you're already thinking about the weekend or the holiday, this is when to start paying extra attention and making sure the information you have for them is correct. Yeah, I was going to, you know, I was my thought when seeing this uh, Todd right away too. Um, I think, Matthew, those are all great um, things for sure. Absolutely qualify it, go to the direct the website, do those things. But I think that training side of reminding the users of those things and just doing that extra communication to your staff is uh, is really important just to allow them to be more vigilant during this time and remind them what to watch for. Um, 
and just scrutinize sides. I, you know, I don't think any IT or security department is going to fault a user just for qualifying a potential email side of it and say, did did you actually send this or is this legitimate? Calling your help desk and verifying, you know, that little extra time could save a, a ton of hassle. Because I, I would concur from what my customer engagement has been is you you're generally probably not going to recollect recollect when it happened when you clicked on something that became it because they are going to probably gain access and then lay in the in the shadows for for a, quite a while until they determine they have the keys of the kingdom that are worthwhile to execute so it can be weeks days months but um do yourself a favor and just verify before you actually execute on clicking on something yeah there's a Go ahead, Matt. Sorry, Tara. I apologize. I was just, just going to say there is often um, kudos that are sent out amongst at least uh, our security team, as I've noticed, when we have comments from someone just saying, just wanted to check, we'll be like, hey, such and such did X. We know that they were paying attention and aware of it. So it's noticed when you do that. I was going to say, too, with um, Cybersecurity Awareness Month, we have learned a ton about what needs to be implemented. So I wanted to highlight um, MFA and EDR. We've talked about those two being the two best things to turn on. So if you guys want to dive into a little bit for those maybe that aren't listening about MFA and EDR, why they're important, I'd love to chat a little bit more about those two. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of really good reasons to implement MFA and EDR in case you're not familiar with the acronyms. MFA is multi-factor authentication, EDR is endpoint detection and response, and they are very robust tool sets that that help mitigate a lot of different types of attacks. Um, you know, we we actually have another podcast. If you haven't listened back, please do on one for MFA. Um, Nate and I have been absolutely pounding the drum for six years going implement MFA, look at implement F MFA, and we actually did a training or a web, uh, webinar the other day, and we were saying that the best industry that has adopted MFA to date is the technology industry, and they're at a rate of, wait for it, 30%. That is terrible. Absolutely awful. Um, and you should be doing it, right? So I, I'll be quiet, but I, those things are something that you just should be doing at an absolute minimum across your organization. And uh, this isn't new stuff, but but it sometimes can be somewhat cumbersome to implement and does potentially cause some friction, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't start to protect your businesses. I started writing some notes um, a little bit and basically to put it bluntly, if you don't have multi-factor, you're already behind. Um, I, I've said it on another podcast is the best day to implement multi-factor is yesterday. Uh, today is the next best day. At this point, you just have to have it. Um, and then I kind of said EDR is implement today, right? We already have the federal government rolling it down, you know, for the last year at this point, insurance is mandating it, all this kind of stuff is. So another one where I'd say yesterday was great but multi-factor is yesterday edr is today uh, we can talk about the, what you should do maybe tomorrow but you have to have those two in this day and age yeah nate i would say let's go ahead what should we be doing tomorrow let's give them their game plan once you get through some of those two uh, then I guess the other thing I'd maybe add on here is making sure you have executive buy-in. Uh, so number one, this is those are the easy ones to implement. 
once you start getting into some of the other topics that we're going to be discussing, you know, either today or, you know, in past podcasts with like things like zero trust is you have to have executive buy-in on this kind of stuff. Otherwise you will not have change in the organization. Whatever we recommend, you're going to face resistance. So um, on this call, we have a lot of executives on uh, the call, right? So Kyle here at CIT, it starts with you, right? Is you're the one that's saying, we are moving this direction right yeah absolutely and i think we hear that often on the mfa argument when we talk about why have you implemented mfa it's usually because of an executive leader that is saying it's a it's cumbersome for me i don't want to deal with it and which is extremely unfortunate um because the amount of risk and liability that they're owning with that decision i think needs to be very clear and i'm not always sure that it is and they they tend to, especially in non-technically focused industry sides of those, um, tend to see it more often than not. Um, they tend to fall to the, I'm not a target, we're not a target, we're, we make this widget, why would they target us kind of thing? And it's just, there's just lack of education that comes around it. So I would uh, provide some research and help educate those executives on truly the, the risk um, again, as Tom, if you're listening to this podcast, you're already doing that. You started that, you know, um, you know, engage some resources to provide some some validity side around it. Ultimately, usually, you know, more often than not, we've seen in recent years has been now the insu- the cybersecurity insurance. It becomes a requirement, and then they come in and say you got to do it, and then they finally execute on it. So, um, you know, it eventually come. But I, I think there's there needs to be some. Recognize the reason to understand the risk because they, you know, don't just take that it's an inconvenience as a reason not to do it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think most of most business leaders don't want to make the wrong decision for their businesses. I would say that should be 100 percent of them um, running their company sides of those. And the fact they're saying no, it just means they're not they're not educated properly on on the risk because there's zero reasons not to. <laughs> Right, right. Some of the, there's a lot of tools that will help remove the friction that goes with some of the inconvenience, and and there's certainly ways to go through it again. Go back to our old MFA podcast if you want to know what those look like. Um, one of the things that you asked Tara was very specifically what's coming tomorrow, um, and I think Kyle touched on this. It was exactly what I was going to say: is if you're looking for where it's coming, the compliance industry is already well down this path. So your healthcare, manufacturing, mm-hmm. finance, etc. But you're starting to see uh, the insurance companies are adopting a lot of that as they're moving forward. So, um, for example, this year we started to see if you don't have MFA, you may not get renewed. And that was kind of a change. Um, I would say next year I would anticipate you probably won't. This year, if you did get approved and you didn't have it, your rate went up significantly. And you're going to continue to see that those kinds of screws, if you will, are going to continue to get tightened. Um, things that we're starting to see that came up, um, actually, I think we've got a, a cybersecurity insurance podcast out there, too, that will kind of help outline what that looks like and some of the changes that we're seeing this year. So there will be things that will be coming up along to it, but just kind of giving you a heads up of what that looks like is EDR is something that was added within the last year. We're starting to see stuff being added for whitelisting uh, applications on your business. So that's understanding what is being used internally and so forth. So those are the types of things that you're going to continue to see. And then there's going to be stuff out there that's maybe legacy that you can just see as nothing but a problem. So I'll use an example of Microsoft Exchange. 
if you're paying attention to cybersecurity and vulnerability news, Microsoft Exchange is just riddled with holes. It just is. I, I don't know how to state it any more bluntly than that. I would highly recommend if you're on it, get off of it. But the reason why I mentioned this is as you can see, we're moving forward and it becomes more and more problematic and that type of risk is being exposed. Your insurance company is going to come back and go, well, if you're using exchange, that's bad. We're going to crank up your rates or we're going to deny you or whatever the case can be. And you're just going to see more and more of that continue to happen. I'm going to add one slight tangent just about ex exchange. Um, if you're on exchange, can't move off of it for some reason or another. If you're listening to this, make sure you have the emergency mitigation system installed on it. It's a tool directly from Microsoft. They developed it after the proxy shell vulnerability that came out uh, last year. Then, you know, this round there was the what they called the proxy not shell, which is basically almost the same exploit, but not quite. Um, but this emergency mitigation system is a tool that Microsoft developed to push down patches to all of these exchange servers without your intervention. Uh, you can go in and disable or review what they've pushed down, but it's just there to say Microsoft is also having your back to try and help you out if you're not staying up to date on the latest uh, exchange exploits. So uh, that's my main takeaway of exchange. So. Yeah, I, I, I'll expand on that for you. Anybody that didn't pick up the nuance there, if Microsoft is proactively patching something like that, that's a really big deal. Microsoft does not do that. I mean, they do release patches and whatnot, but they don't go out of their way to implement security features. So when they're doing it, uh, it's a big deal and, and you should definitely be paying attention. Totally different podcast probably coming up on, on Exchange and why you need to move on. Um, I guess one last thing I wanted to add, I don't know how close we are to wrapping up. I think it's got to be pretty close is as we're talking about all of the risks and everything that's going on, there probably is one other little tip that I would throw out there for our consumers is as you're using online services, obviously we kind of recommended maybe indirectly that having multiple email addresses and burner accounts might make sense. Um, but one of the other things that I'd recommend doing is as you're purchasing things, whether it's Amazon or other, I'd highly recommend using a credit card, and I know credit cards are evil, and you can go down that path, but comparatively, when you're looking at credit card versus debit cards, um, when you're purchasing things, if something went amiss and your credit card, debit card was picked up, debit card's hitting your banking account. Credit card's a line of credit. That would be a big deal. You'd hate to lose several thousand dollars out of your your own personal savings. That would be a bad thing. So that would be my last tip, and, and uh, I will be quiet the rest of the podcast, or at least I'll try. I'll, I'll quick summarize just uh, why that's so critical, right? So credit card, it's technically still the credit card company's money. Debit card is your money. If you lose one versus the other, they're going to fight a lot harder to get that money back. Uh, so that's why if you have a compromised uh, debit card, you're probably losing that money. Uh, if you have a compromised credit card, they will fight and fight and fight to make sure that that's resolved. Great. Yeah, I did want to... Um be the timekeeper here to say we are coming up on time. So any last thoughts about podcasts or takeaways for our listeners today that you guys want to highlight? I, I don't think I'd have done my job here if I didn't say documentation. Um, <laughs> what do you guys do? Make sure you have um, internal communications about how money will be sent about how things like that are done you should some of these phishing scams the uncertainty side of things comes from people not knowing how these actions would be taken internally some of it's pretty logical 
most of us aren't going to be requesting gift cards for a business expense. Um, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't have it written down because it's common sense. Have something in place about who has to sign off on these things so that that uncertainty side of things has a secondary opinion to kind of back you up. That's, you know, that's my compliancy thing again. <laughs> my my advice is stay alert uh, and don't have too much Christmas wine, I guess. Uh, but yeah, just stay <laughs> alert. <laughs> don't check your phone, your work phone afterwards. Yeah. Is, yeah. is next, right? It, and the last thing I'd throw in there is, uh, yeah, just like we just said, right? Be be conscious of what you're doing. If you didn't place that the the order for the Mac, you probably don't have a receipt sitting in your inbox. Just look at it, see where it came from, hover it over, whatever you need to do. Um, and then, of course, uh, we've talked about this many, many times before too, but when in doubt, go directly to the source. So if you want to go to Wells Fargo, go to wellsfargo.com. Don't click the link. Great advice. I know we went over a ton of stuff, so we got to be cautious of our shopping habits, um, looking at that, making sure we're going directly to the source, but also just be be aware, you know, double check, look at things. Um, don't, you know, don't get too lax over the holidays. Take everything pretty seriously because then we learn that's where the hackers like to come in. But I want to say a big thank you to Kyle, Todd, Nate, Matthew, and of course, us marketing gals. Um, you know how we love to talk um, and then tangent. Nate did mention tangent in there, so we had to plug that. Um, but if you guys have any feedback for us, we'd love to hear it. You can visit cit-net.com backslash podcast or as always, email us at info at cit-net.com. And we look forward to chatting with you guys more next season. Happy holidays. Thanks, everyone. Be safe.